What's up, everybody? This is Eddie with Flex Machine Tools. Hey, and welcome to our latest episode of Flex and Friends, a video cast experience series where I get to sit down, chat, and hang out with the industry's loudest, proudest, best, brightest, most passionate, and profound thought leaders. And we're going to talk about, you already know, manufacturing. So today we have an absolute banger of a guest, a true leader, the leader in the American manufacturing renaissance. So hey, it's our good friend, Drew Crow. Some would say he's Reed Richards meets Nipsey Hussle. So let's learn more because I know you didn't come here to listen to me talk. Let's bring him on in. Oh, my man. Drew Crow is in the hood. Yo, yo, what up, my boy, man? I'm happy to be here flexing on him. Oh, you know, yeah, there he goes. Been, there it's he been goes. a long time coming, but I'm here now, baby. Thank you for having me. You are here, man. Large and in charge, man. Showing what's up. We're really so thankful to have you here. We've talked about it so much, and you're doing so many cool things. So we're really, really blessed to have your energy, your presence, and your passion here. And so many people are waiting to hear you talk. So I'm going to shut up here in a second. But first, man, let's get to know you. you. Obviously, put a lot of really great content out there. You're very, very well known for what you're doing. Let's take a step back and let's get to know you personally and professionally. Who's this guy that they call Reed Richards meets Nipsey Hussle? Hey man, I'm I'm just a regular kid from St. Louis, man. I'm the kid from you know the other side of of the tracks. I didn't have anything handed to me like most of us, you know. And I roll with the punches, and thank God, you know, I found this beautiful sector called manufacturing, and uh, you know, it accepted me. And now I'm the guy that's going to find the other kids like me um, that that could use this, man. And I want to, you know, have this sector around forever. I want it to be, you know, as strong as it's ever been, if not stronger. And now is the time, man. So, um, you know, this this industry has given so much to me. It's provided, you know, for my family and it's given me a whole nother outlook on life. It really, really saved my life, man. And I think that, you know, the best thing that I could do is to lead other people to the faucet, lead other people to the well and make sure that they got an opportunity to at least know what this thing is and, and know that there's other opportunities for people that may have been counted out in life um, or people that just don't know what to do, man. So. Um, I'm here. I'm, I'm on my soapbox, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm glad to be here, man. There you go. You stay on that soapbox. You make sure that mic stays turned up, man. So now that we've gotten to know you a little bit, obviously you're just a very dynamic, very ecstatic and enthusiastic human being. Your energy is just super, super infectious, and I really, really appreciate it. And then additionally, man, um, I don't want to say that we almost lost you by any means, but you're a recent COVID survivor, man. Like, what happened? Are you okay? Is everything man, good? What's, what's up, man? man? So, so you know, I, I'm, I'm an instructor. I'm a professor now, and at the same time, I've got um, a, a group called the Elevate Group where we are finding the new leaders of manufacturing and we're training them up and we're aligning them with companies uh, to get started and be working and start on their careers. So I do a whole lot. Right. And um, I'm always in front of the people. And, you know, I was blessed that when, you know, the pandemic hit, there was no shutdown for me. Students still had to learn. The manufacturing career was still going forward. Um, and there were still people that needed my help, you know, figuring out what they wanted to do in life and get in line with great companies and stuff. So um, I didn't get to I didn't get to take a break. Right. And although mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I took care of all the precautions and I did all the things that they say to do somehow, it still caught me and it took me down, man. It had me out for about a month and a half, really. And, and I still kind of feel some of the side effects of it. I'm not as energetic as I usually am. Um, but 
it definitely was something that made me look at uh, life in the world in a different view and really appreciate this chance that we have, you know, to really push and, and, and you know, we're in a place where COVID changed the world, not just our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And I've been seeing a lot of trends that um, because of COVID are kind of helping our industry and bringing more people to our industry. And, you know, I don't like to talk about myself a lot, um, but I see a lot of people that that are later in life and they're reaching out to me via DM, via inbox, they're pulling up on me uh, campus and they're saying, hey, COVID made me realize that the career that I've been working in for so long is about to die or it can go on a shutdown and I'm going to be at home without any way to make money. I need to do something else. And we're getting a wave of new people that are coming here because it's high paying. And these careers are going to be here for a long time because they see people like you. They see people like me. They see people like Titan. They see people like Megan Ziemba. They see people uh, like Justin Sherman. They see a lot of people that are out here. Uh, you know, Will Hilly, uh, Jake Hall. They see people that are out here and they're being vocal. They're putting videos out. And now, now, now people are seeing that there are other opportunities. There are other sectors than the traditional sectors that they have been, you know, pushed into or told about um, and they're high paying and they go with, you know, all of the things that they want to. I don't know. See, this is how passionate I am about manufacturing. I bleed it. I breathe it. We were just talking about me surviving COVID and now we're here talking about getting more people lined up with jobs. That's why I love, you know, what I do, man. So, um, you know, manufacturing saved my life two times. So, you know, it saved me from from the streets and it saved me from COVID because it gave me something, you know, to make sure that I got back to. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, I really appreciate it. Doug. And uh, yeah. anybody out there, you know, that that has not experienced it. All I say is definitely take all the precautions, look into everything that you can and protect your family, because, you know, when it hits you, it's going to take you out for a little while. Um, you know, and it's 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 going to change your life, you know, in one way or the other. And just set yourself up for the possibility that that can happen, man. And, and you know, we want to keep America going forward. This great country has to continue to build, you know, and we need our makers. We need our innovators. We need you guys out here. We need you healthy. We need you thinking clearly. We need y'all working. So everybody in manufacturing, stay healthy, stay strong. There we go. There we go. I love it. And you would take uh, uh, getting COVID and turn it into uh, a manufacturing silver lining. I love it. And speaking of silver lining, looks like we got Justin Sherman here. What's he saying? Loving the mavens of manufacturing rep. Yes, sir. Justin, you're awesome. And then also, you can't leave our man Arthur out. What's Arthur saying? It's a beautiful industry to be involved in for sure. Hey, Justin, Arthur, both. thank you all both so much for, for uh, hang, hanging out, giving us a little bit of insight. Keep those rocking and rolling. Speaking of rocking and rolling, man, you mentioned that you're, you're teaching courses. You're an instructor. Like, What courses are you teaching? Where are you teaching? So I'm teaching at uh, the historic Rankin Technical College in St. Louis. Uh, since 1902, we have been the premier school for all of the trades, um, specifically uh, manufacturing and, 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 you know, here at Rankin, we are kicking up, uh, our manufacturing curriculum where we're really trying to make sure that we mirror not only the things that the industry needs now, but what they're going to need in the next five to 10 years, our industry, once we tied it, you know, so closely to technology and, you know, uh, big data is coming and all of these things are happening. You know, th there's a lightning speed as far as the growth and the new things that we're going to have to learn to keep up. 
So here at Rankin, we try to make sure that we're ahead of the curve and that we're not giving you somebody that can just come in there and press buttons right now, but we're giving you somebody that can move your company forward and bring in some of these new, be the subject matters uh, experts on some of these new technologies that are coming out. So then that way it lowers the time and the curve that you have to have when you implement these technologies. You don't have to retrain any old staff. These guys are ready to step in right now. So um, right now, this semester, I am teaching uh, CNC programming and CAD CAM engineering. Um, they are both aligned with uh, NEMS credentials. So when our students graduate from my classroom, not only will they be lined up with an internship, but they'll also be lined up uh, with NEMS credentials for CNC uh, programming and machining and setup, but also CAD CAM, uh, where they're working on SolidWorks and MasterCAM um, every day. So, you know, we're really getting these guys, so these guys and girls, excuse me, to the point where they're not just going to be able to come in and hop in your manual department, but they're also going to be able to go onto your CNC machines, mills and lays. They'll be able to write quick programs if you need them to. They'll be able to go into your programming room, write some programs, fix some programs. You know, they're, they're, they're going to be the new, and that's what I call the new type of machinist. The new machinist is going to be an all-around player. We get into these shops. When I first got into shops, you know, we had that old school mentality where you walk into a shop and a guy would say, hey, I'm just a manual lathe guy. I'm just a bridge port guy. I don't mess with CNC's. Or you get the guys that say, I'm just a CNC lathe guy. I'm just a CNC mill guy. Or we even go further and say, hey, I'm just a, Ma a Mazak guy. I'm the Haas guy. I'm a Herco guy. Whatever that is, right? But now, you know, I came up in a time where I didn't go to school. Nobody looked like me in the shop. So I had to get it where I could. I had to find my value. You know, I started off on the saw and I worked my way up through the manual department into the CNC department. And it was all taught on my own. Or I sat with some older guys that didn't like me too much that allowed me to sit in the corner and take a lot of notes on my own time and not speak up too much. Right. So some of them OG mm -hmm. mechanics, I mean, machinists. And I got into it, uh, you know, and, and I got stuck and I got entrenched. But. I didn't have the opportunity or the luxury or the privilege to say, I only run these or I only run these. I had to know it all because I had a target on my back. I wasn't traditionally trained in manufacturing. I didn't know the industry at all. So I had to show my value in another way. And, and thank God I worked for a company that rewarded that and made me want to keep on going and not necessarily financially, but they rewarded me. Right on, man. No worries. I think we lost it for a second, but hey, I love that. One thing, let's pull something up we got love here. What is this here? We've got Nicole. Hey, Nicole, thank you so much. You're an absolute gem. I love hearing about how you're making a difference in the future of manufacturing. A true leader. True leader. Oh, and we can't leave Will out. Will, look at that. Yes, Andrew Crow, young people love technology. If you invest in tech, they want to learn it. Gen Z and millennials both. They won't be a one trick. That's not my job employee. Will, man, it's funny. We talk about you, you show up. Love you, big boy. Smooches. <laughs> what up, Will? There we and, go. And there we go. So, so that's one of the trends that we're also seeing. I see the disconnect between the generations in the manufacturing industry. When I first got into the industry, 12 years ago, there was a lot of rumbling about automation and robots and how they were going to take their jobs, right? Because a lot of the people in the shop 
grew up at a time where computers were not everywhere. They're not, you know, powerful computers in every phone that we have. They didn't have them in their cars. They didn't have them like this. So it was a threat. And it was like, oh, my goodness, you know, this is my security. These computers are going to come in and take away my security. These robots are going to come in and take away my job. These young people that know these computers and grew up with these computers are going to take my job. So, you know, there's shops and there's people that started shunning this new technology because they were in fear of losing their security. Right. But nowadays, the shift is that kids don't want to work anywhere that does not have the technology. Right. There's a lot of kids that say, hey, man, I don't want to load this machine. I want to set it up. I want to give you your first part. I want to write this program, but let a robot do it after I've done this. I don't want to, you know, be the machinist with the machinist hunch over after, you know, 10 years and, and I can't hear anything because I've been sitting next to a worrying machine all the time. And we can do that. So we don't understand it, but, but the youth really understand that, you know, there are things that can take away the menial parts of our jobs and make me enjoy it more, make give me time to write better programs or watch this, you know, this run and see where I can, you know, find more time and, and, and cut time. And now we're making 30 more parts per hour and it's helping your bottom line. Right. So mm-hmm. those are the types of things that people and the youth will naturally gravitate towards. So there's no reason to keep them. If you keep them out of your shop, you're keeping the kids out of your shop. You're keeping the next generation out of your shop. Right. Mm-hmm. Also. Mm-hmm. Back to technology, these kids, these kids, these students, all these people these days, you know, they've got all of the technology in their phones and their PlayStations. Their computers have certain specs. They're gamers. You know what I'm saying? So they understand, you know, if they come into into a, a facility and they see that they're programming on an old computer that has a lot of lag and they say, hey, man, I can put another computer chip in here or we can do something to make this faster. And then they get shut down. They don't want to keep sitting at this company, you know, trying to program with a laggy computer when they have options. They can go somewhere else. We need it. Everybody needs them. Right. Mm-hmm. So they've got the mobility. So if they, you know, come into a shop and it's low tech and it doesn't look like there's any, you know, effort to to, you know, you know, up the tech in here or, or do anything different, then they're going to jump ship. Because, like I said, the, the, the this isn't our same manufacturing industry where, you know, you get a job. And you're, you put your head down because you're, you're lucky to be there. Everybody wants these kids. And there's companies out here that say, you know what? We're going to let you get in the programming room. We're going to listen to what you're saying. You know what I'm saying? We might not pay you as much, but we'll give you benefits in other ways. And, and, and people a lot of times hear this and they say, oh, man, we're going to go out of business because we're going to have to pay and compete salary-wise. You don't even have to do that. You don't have to compete on salary. There's so many other things that you can do to make – a person feel wanted and a person feel important and appreciated and they'll give you way more work than they would give you if you just gave them a dollar raise every now and then. Sure. No, these are all, all of the above super, super valid things. And it's cool to, to learn a little bit more about your story and kind of what you did and really getting past that discomfort and, and realizing, I love you. say so you got to hey, a target on your back. And I think the most powerful thing people can do when you do have a target on your back is recognize it's there and respond yeah. to it. And that's exactly yeah. what you did. But, yeah. but I know for a fact, I got to know your whole life story, Drew, that it wasn't always easy. So what's one of the biggest hurdles that you've had to overcome to get to where you are today in life and or manufacturing? I know you've had a lot. What's a big one, man? Man. So, so, you know, it, my, my life, my whole life has been a hurdle, you know what I'm saying? And I feel like I, I, I use the mentality that I'm still climbing that hill, you know, and I'm still getting over that, 
initial hurdle, and that that's what keeps me going forward. So you know, I'm I'm young. I had I had a kid at a young age. I had you know I, I was a father before I was a man. You know, and that kind of put my back against the wall to you know a place where I had to get out here and get it right. And you know, I I I've I've been in the mud. I've fall down on my face. I've been in the concrete. But the thing with me is, and the thing that I try to teach people around me is, it happens. You fall. Don't be afraid of the fall. Get back up. And if you just start trying to push yourself back up and you try to do differently, people around you will help start lifting you back up. People just want to see you do something for yourself. So my journey in manufacturing has 100% been that. Like I said, I started off on the saw. I came out of college that I didn't even, I didn't study any of this in college. I didn't, I wasn't even college really like paying attention, you know, because I didn't have anybody around me that told me what to do when I got to college. Nobody around me kept me accountable. I was the hood hero because I went, you know what I'm saying? And that was good enough. I played football in college and I didn't really like get to make my own schedule. My football coaches for the most part made my schedule. I didn't know anything about, you know, what to major in, what to do. I just looked on TV and I said, who makes the most money? A doctor and a lawyer. I don't know nothing about science, but I know how to talk. Let me, you know, political science, pre-law communications. I did all of that, not knowing anything, right? So I graduated in during the, the Great Recession. And, you know, there was no jobs available for anybody. And, you know, I was really jaded. And, and I had, you know, at the time, I'm 20. I've got two kids and I've got mouths to feed. And, you know, I'm looking around and people are walking away from their homes. They're walking away from their 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 lives, you know, for the most part. I'm looking at people that I used to look at as 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 pillars of stability, and I'm seeing how their lives has crashed, not because of anything that they did right or wrong, but because of the 401k and the stock market and all of these things were crashing, the bubble that nobody could have predicted. So, you know, there's there's people that you know had had great careers for a long time, but now they're taking up all of the retail jobs. They're taking up all of the the fast food jobs and all of these jobs are gone. So, you know, I had a decision to make either get back into the streets where I worked so hard to get out of or, you know, find whatever that I can do, you know, whether it's in my field or not, just to pay some bills. Right. And by by, you know, you know, grace of God and, and luck. And, and like I said, me trying to push myself up and being vocal and saying, yo, I don't I don't know what to do. I don't want to get back in these streets. A person came to me that worked in a shop and she said, hey, if you could come in and, and interview and you can pass an interview, I know you're a smart guy. You know, I can get you in this shop, but it's going to be a lowly job. It's probably beneath you, you know, and, and you know, pretty much saying that the job wasn't for me. But, you know, with my ears and me being from the mud and being from the dirt, you know, I, all I heard was they're going to pay me. You know what I'm saying? And I heard that it was legal. So, you know, I didn't want to spend time away from my kids in jail for anything stupid. You know, I know that my kids need me. I didn't have a dad growing up. So it was important for me to be a father. So that I took it. Right. Um, mm -hmm. I went in a man named Donnie Ogle. Donnie, if you're out there, thank you so much for, for taking a chance on me. But I was a whole lot less polished than I am right now. And I was just hungry. My kids were hungry. I had to do something. And I needed some integrity. I wanted to be a person that people could look at and say, you know what? He's going to work every day. This is a good man. You know what I'm saying? And and intrinsically, that's what I wanted. Right. So uh, I, I went in there. I did the interview. Donnie took a chance on me. And first day at work, I worked overnight, 
cutting up uh, material, bringing them, bringing them to each station uh, with the job traveler for the next day. And I would work overnight and I was by myself and I learned to see and see the saw. I just knew enough to, to cut, you know, a quarter inch over whatever the material needed to be to stick in the jug. And I didn't know what they were making. I had no idea, but I knew that the better that I did on third shift, it was going to make first shift better. It's going to make this company more money and I could stay. So the first week that I was there, you know, I, I was working hard. I'm making sure that everything's organized. Everything's ready for you to do your next three jobs. As soon as you walk in in the morning, I might even clean your station for you, you know, and clean yourself for you. Right. And, you know, that was putting deposits in the bank of my future without me knowing. Right. So, you know, these these machines are, are blowing my mind, you know, and I'm starting to stay after after first shift comes in a little bit. And I start seeing the cars that are coming in the parking lot. And I'm seeing, like, I saw, uh, I'll never forget, I saw a Ducati for the first time, uh, the motorcycle, right? And this is during the depression, the recession, where people are leaving. So I'm like, oh, man, Ducati. Then I'm in the break room, and, and guys are getting dressed and getting ready to go out to the floor, and they're talking about this lake house that they just closed on. And I'm like, man, people are walking away from their mortgages. How is this happening? You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I didn't get it at that time, but I was like, yo, everything else in the world is crashing but these people are still making money and they're still comfortable and, and they're still, they still got frivolous money. So, you know, I saw a future here and I did everything that I could do to stay here. So, you know, I, I got in, I got in with the first shift guys. I started bringing donuts and coffee and I started hanging around off the clock and taking notes and watching and, and, and asking questions when I could, I wouldn't always get answers. And I know I was a pest, right? But another thing while I was doing it, I understood that, you know, I started looking around. There were no women. There were no, you know, black people. There were no um, people of color at all. And I was like, you know, this can't this this can't be right. Like there's there's so many there's so many people in society that could benefit from this. And we need everybody should know about this. You know what I'm saying? It's like when you experience something great for the first time, you know, like, yo, everybody should know about this. And, and that was just who I was. Right. And I started going back home and I started seeing like, you know, the, the people with nothing, but they wanted something, you know, and they were trying to just figure out a way. So I started telling people about manufacturing. Hey, look, man, this is a job. It's paying like, you know, and I started building that bridge and I started being that bridge with no extra pay. Nobody asked me to do it. I just did it because I understood what it could do for other people because it did it for me. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And, and from there, you know, companies started getting behind me. Hey, can you do that here? You know, hey, can you run my second shift? I don't know how to recruit people. So all the people from my second shift are people just from, from, you know, whatever I can put in front of the machine. But you know how to talk to people. You know how to relate to people that aren't of this field. You can know how to speak the language and relay it back to us. So go do that for us, please. And then I started running the second shifts. And they gave me that responsibility. And because I knew that I was important, I'm working places that are making things for for Department of Defense. I'm making, you know, you know, all type of different things that pushes the country forward. It's protecting our great country. It's keeping our troops alive. You know, so I started feeling like, you know, I got purpose here. You know what I'm saying? And not just here, but in the world and in the United States. And intrinsically, that's all we want, especially in the hood or in the trailer park or wherever we are intrinsically all we want to do is be able to put a roof over our head 
put food in our stomachs and take good care of our children. You know what I'm saying? And unfortunately, a lot of the times we only are aware of the opportunities that are that exist or that are put in front of us. If our, you know, if we're confined to a certain area or we're confined to a certain mental um, um, barrier, then we don't even know this industry exists. We don't even know how dope we could be and how much potential we actually have. Right. So when manufacturing left the inner cities, we stopped seeing these things. Right. We stopped seeing the uh, the guy that went down to the apprenticeship hall and, and, and he was illiterate, but he knew how to pick up this trade and he was a hell of a machinist. You know what I'm saying? And then mm -hmm. change his life and change his zip code. Right. We don't see that anymore. All we see in the inner cities are food deserts. You know what I'm saying? And in rural areas, food deserts, they're fighting and it's scarcity. They have a scarcity mindset. So it's like, hey, family dollar might be the best and all I'm ever going to get. Or I know that there's manufacturing out here. I know that there's a good job, but it's three bus transfers and nobody there looks like me. And when I try to tell people this, you know, they're not understanding because they've never had to take the bus before. They don't get the things that are going to happen on the bus. You know, a lot of women that are amazing in this field, women kill this field, right? But a lot of women, they might be single mothers and they have to deal with work jobs do not fit with a, a, a single parent schedule. You know what I'm saying? Kids go to school from from eight o'clock to two o'clock. Most shifts, especially in manufacturing, seven to three, seven to three thirty. Most of us are going to have to work tens. So you're there seven to almost, you know, five o'clock. Then you've got to set up child care. You know, kids never want to go to school in the morning. They're groggy and all of these things. You got to get them ready. You got to fight all of those things before you can even come into work. So, you know, and then as a woman or as a person of color, somebody that doesn't look like most of the people that are in the industry, you get discouraged. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, I have a passion for that. I could make a lot of money there, but nobody's hearing me. Nobody's trying to, you know, give me any opportunity and I'm getting harassed at the same time. So we lose so many good people, you know, and, and, and we, we, we count a whole bunch of people out because we're not doing things that a whole lot of other industries now are doing to, to make it easier for people to work in this industry or at least start building that bridge. You know, if we're paying, you know, upwards of $25, $30, you know, uh, on average. And, you know, in the beginning, somebody doesn't have a car, somebody can't afford childcare. What does it cost you to buy a bus pass for somebody? Not much, you know, compared to the work that they're going to give you on the back end. What does it cost you to flex a schedule two hours both ways? Hey, man, you can come in up to an hour late if you give me the hour on the back end or we make it up. It's not going to cost you anything. And then the only reward that you're going to get is a dedicated worker that's going to work harder for you and that's going to do more for you without you asking because they feel like they're important and they belong here. Also, another thing that we're seeing in the industry are we're seeing people that say, oh, we train people and then they leave. Because they can, you know what I'm saying? So if you don't make somebody feel like they belong there, they're going to leave. There's a lot of people that have stayed loyal to companies that they probably could get paid more. They probably could do less. They could probably do a lot of things, but because that company believed in them and gave them their first chance, that company is the company that gave them, you know, the opportunity to pay for daycare for them for the first two months, you know, so they could save up to get a car. And now I'm paying them back in the amount of work that I'm doing, or I'm paying them back in a, in a different type of way, or they're taking a little bit here and there out of my check. You know what I'm saying? Like 
there's a give and take, but our industry is so stone age and we've got such a closed fist that we're not even being open to all of these opportunities that we have right in front of us. There's so many untapped workers and people that want to work. We talked about it earlier in the green room and I'm sorry, I'll be grambling. I love talking about these things and changing the industry and putting these perspectives. But you know, one of the trends that I'm seeing right now, right now is people that are later in life and they're understanding this. They're like, hey, I worked my whole life in an admin field or I worked my whole life in this field or that field. And now it's because of the pandemic, everything's becoming automated or somebody, one person from home can do three of our jobs. So they don't need us anymore. What do I do now? How do I make this same amount of money? Where's my career going to go? And then they come here and they see, oh man, I can go into sales. Oh man, I can go into, into programming. I can go be a tool maker. I can be maintenance. Like, like this is the wave. Not only that, go into technology with technology. Every single thing starts out in the barrier of entry to new technology is super expensive. And, you know, a lot of times like VCRs back in the day, cell phones back in the day are big, they're bulky. You know, nobody could afford these things. Nobody can make any, you know, you had to be rich to have it. You know what I'm saying? And you had to have room to have it. Same thing with machines, machining, 3D printing. You can get a pocket NC and make fifth, four plus one, but it's still like fifth axis. You know what I'm saying? You can afford a used machine now that is powerful enough and small enough to go into your garage. Uh, um, Heidenheim and DMG Mori are working on some machines and, and the envelope is so small, but it's so powerful that it's something that, that is more affordable to anybody and everybody. So now you got companies like Zometry, you got companies that, that can match you with the work. You don't even have to get out there and get it yourself, right? So you can go and you can supplement your income. Your side hustle can be your real job. You can make your own, you know, whatever tools in, in, in anything and sell them on the side. So manufacturing is not only becoming more affordable, it's not only becoming more sexy, it's not only becoming more, you know, doable and the smart move, but it's also becoming easier for people to jump in at any AA stage, age or anything. Also, because of that point, a lot of our manufacturers have to understand that, right? So I can hire you and give you all these opportunities, but you can make a lot of money and go on your own and go work, you know, and get a couple jobs and supplement yourself, right? So we got to think about those things when we're hiring. We got to think about these things when we're attracting new talent. And that doesn't mean that we have to change everything that we've done and we've got to cater or coddle to anybody. That just means that we just got to make, you know, a little twist, remix the system a little bit and do it a little bit better. And then once we bring that new wave of people, it's all going to pay us back and beget itself, right? So, oh, for sure, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And 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 one, I I, I want to really hear your take on this. We asked Megan Zimba of Mavens of Manufacturing really the importance of diversity with her perspective of the woman. But as kind of a, an indirect representative of people of color, man, let, let's let's talk about it. How important is diversity in manufacturing, Drew? Man, it's it's critical. It's critical. And I look at it like this, right? I give you two two things, two ways to look at it. You know, I'm a football guy. Um, I like sports. But any sport that you look at, any sport that you look at, you don't just draft one type of player, right? So you don't just go get a whole bunch of uh, a whole bunch of speed, right? You get a mix of speed and size. 
You might say, hey, you know, and you don't just draft from one place. We might say, hey, we want to go to the, the rural communities and go get some big corn-fed country boys to, to work on our, to be on our defensive line, right? Or our offensive line, some road graders, right? We might want to go somewhere, uh, you know, where it's hot and, and kids are kids are running all the you know, we might want to go to Florida or something for our speed position. We might want to go uh, you know, look for a pocket passing quarterback and a mobile quarterback. And then that way, no matter what we are up against every week, we've got a personnel that we can make it happen. But if we're a one-dimensional team, it's easy to plan for. It's hard to pivot into something else when the game gets tough. It's hard to game plan for, for you know, anything outside of the only thing that we can do. And, you know, that's the teams that go over all the time, right? Same way in, our, in, our, in, in manufacturing. When you go into a shop, you always see a mix of machines. You don't just see lathes. You don't just see manual. You don't just see, you know, CNC. You don't just see horizontal. You see a mix of different things. If you don't, that shop's probably not going to be open for long at all. So number one, we've got a diverse uh, amount of perspectives, right? One thing that I like to say, and one thing is super true, necessity is the mother of invention, right? So it only makes sense if we need the creators, we need the inventors, we need the people that have had nothing and found a way to get it. Why not go there? It just it just makes sense to your bottom line, right? Also, if we all have the same perspectives and we're all thinking the same way, we're not going to get anywhere because we all are just yes men, right? We're all just getting along and we, we, we're, just, we're just huffing along. But if there's somebody else that, you know, works a different way, can show us a different way that they work, now we're all more, you know, we're, we're all more effective. We're all more efficient. You know what I'm saying? If there's somebody that brings anything else to the table besides what we have, that's a blessing. That's something that 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 will help push our company forward. Also, whether you like it or not, it's happening. The world is diverse. America, by definition, is diverse, and that's what make that's what makes America great. America is great because we are the melting pot. We are the people that are, we're not just eating off of off of you know one plate. We're not eating one dinner all the time. All the time, it gets boring. You know what I'm saying? We can go to the buffet and we can choose whatever we want to choose. And we can have tacos one night. We can have, you know, greens and chitlins the next night. We can have, you know, mayonnaise, bro. I don't know. But we can have whatever. We can have it. Like whatever. You know what I'm saying? And we got that opportunity. So, you know, why not expand your shop the same way? Why not go find a bunch of people that are programmers and gamers that look nothing like you? That Maybe they don't wear camo. Maybe they don't go hunting. So what? You know what I'm saying? Let's go find, you know, somebody that is from a place where they know how to take less and make more with it. Because guess what? We we might break a tap. We might break an end mill. We need somebody that says, you know what? You could do it like this or you can do it like that without having to call MSC and wait two days or not having to call Missouri Tool and have Andy Mueller make you a custom and run it to you. That machine keeps going because you got different perspectives. You got, you know, people that know how to think outside of the box or just think outside of the box that we've been thinking in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Also, if you don't diversify, again, we're going to lose our workforce, right? Because there's a lot of people these days that say, I don't want to work in a company with a bunch of people that look like me. I don't want to work in a company that every single person is an older white man. You know what I'm saying? Like, my dad's an older white man. My uncle's an older. I see it all the time. Like, you know, 
give me some, give, maybe I want majority of that, but like just whatever. Like kids have the opportunity nowadays to go work wherever they want to. The world, because of, of the internet, is so small now. You know what I'm saying? So you're turning people off and you're turning people off of our industry. The trades are big. The, the, the spotlight is back on the trades. So if somebody says, yo, I want to make a lot of money. I want to be in something decent. I don't know which one it is. And they just walk into a trade school and they say, oh, this industry is 100% this way or even, you know, 90% this way. I'm going to go be an electrician. You know what I'm saying? Or I'm going to go be a plumber. I'm going to go. So we're even fighting that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. you know, you don't have this doesn't mean this doesn't mean like, you know, kick anybody out of your shop or change anything, you know, drastically that you're doing. But, you know, make the effort to tie in with the Urban League, make the effort to tie in with some of these apprenticeship programs, make the effort to tie in with the people that are already doing it and already pre-qualifying people and see what happens to your bottom line when you switch it up. See what happens to the culture of your workplace when you bring in other people and you 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 represent them the, the, the right way and you you know you you promote other people from within and there's representation watch how your company grows watch how your company grows you've seen it happen man and it's just speaking of of making it happen seeing it happen you're a little bit everywhere you've got some upcoming big projects some initiatives some collaborations we got about two more questions here as we're going to wrap up here but just because i know you're on the road you're doing some really cool things what's coming up next for you what are some exciting things you're a part of so um all october i'm gonna be on the road um well let me rewind it let me rewind it a little bit i am about uh a couple months away from officially uh the grand launch of elevate and if you haven't been following me elevate is uh the bridge and it's it's the the igniter of the next generation right Right now, I'm in St. Louis, Missouri. This is where I'm from. This is where I grew up at. And we've got a high murder rate. We've got a high joblessness rate with the youth. We've got a high rate of just hopelessness, man. And this is not the only city that's like this. Detroit's the same way. Chicago's the same way. Most of our major metropolitan areas are like this. Manufacturing, number one, offers you integrity. It's a good job that pays a lot of money, more than you know the family dollars or the retail places or the food places, right? And and once you get into one of these jobs, you have to be there. You know, it's a taxing job on your mind. It's something where you can be creative, you can be inventive, and you can feel like you're doing something in America and you matter, right? So if we introduce these things back into the inner cities, that's gonna change the, 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 the dynamic of the inner city. It shows that it lowers the crime rate. It obviously ups the job rate because every one job in our field begets seven to 12 in auxiliary fields to support it, right? So we're talking about changing economies. We're talking about changing neighborhoods. We're talking about bringing in more taxpayers because people are working now, right? Number one. Number two, we're building that bridge because what Elevate does is Elevate identifies companies that need the workers, right? And hand in hand, we work with these people and we train up students, we train up the future, we train up people that may have been felons or may have need re-entry in life. We train up single mothers and we give them the skills specifically to come into your operation and start working right now. They get trained on programming, on setting up your real part numbers on your real machines. So they come into your, 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 
your shop, they come into, um, you know, your, your lab and they're ready to start programming or they already have, you know, four years worth of programming experience on the parts that you're making. So you can plug and play and continue to build on that. So Elevate is coming very, very soon. Uh, number one. Number two, shout out to Zometry. Zometry have been huge supporters and we have an amazing um, uh, event coming up for all of the manufacturers in Missouri and St. Louis. Uh, well, we'll be doing a meet and greet and a mixer and talking about some cool things. I got some announcements to make there as well. That's early October. After that, I am uh, teaming up with Generator um, and uh, there's a conference for that. I can't think of the name on top of my head, but shout out to Generator, shout out to uh, Indiana um, Development Corporation. We'll be there. We'll be lighting a fire. We'll be getting in front of a lot of startups and manufacturing companies and showing them real ways to go ahead and tie that bridge and introducing them to the youth. Another one I'm excited about is I'll be at the Top Shop Expo, Modern Machine Shop. If you guys had the opportunity to hear me on their docu-series, it was uh, an amazing thing to be a part of, made in USA. But we'll have a live panel with some of the gentlemen that I was on that, that uh, audio documentary with. And we'll be able to be in front of the people, you know, the real panel back and forth. That's where I thrive at. I get in front of the people. I love doing this. Digital is awesome. But like I said, I'm from the mud. I like to get out with the people. I want to hear real stories. I want to get real questions. Challenge me. I'm there for that. And I know a lot of things that I say sometimes because of the, the, the nature of our industry is kind of controversial. I know, you know, some people can't wrap their minds around it. These are the opportunities to get me in person and really expand on some of these things. Another thing that's coming, if you can see, Mavens of Manufacturing. Yo, big supporter of everything that Megan's got going on. She reached out to me and she had an amazing idea and she did all of the groundwork. She did everything to put it together, made it real smooth for me. We are getting out into these small towns. We're getting out into these hoods. We're getting out into these high schools. We're getting out in front of the Boys and Girls Clubs. And we're traveling the United States. And we're going to be putting manufacturers and kids and manufacturing on the front line, bro. So we'll be introducing and bringing groups into your manufacturing firm if you want to do that. We're going to be introducing them to the softwares. We're going to be introducing them to the careers and where they can go real time. We're going to be bringing manufacturers in front of the students. So, you know, as much as we like to get on these apps and we like to get on, you know, these social networks and all of those things and talk about what should be done. You know, I'm out here testing it. Megan's out here testing it. A lot of us are out here putting our helmets on. We're getting, you know, our, 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 our feet wet. We're getting the grass and the mm -hmm. mud in our mouth and we're just putting our head down and seeing what works. And we're really, really, really making a change and not saying that anybody else is not making a change. Because we need all of these efforts. We all got to support each other. We all have to build each other up because manufacturing, especially American manufacturing, depends on it. So, you know, we're putting our feet to the street and that's really where I thrive. You think this is passion? Wait until you see me in a, in a crowd full of kids and a crowd full of people that don't know about manufacturing. I get them lit up, man. It's going to be amazing. I also um uh we're working on some things with Mastercam. we're working on some things with hide and high there's going to be a lot of content that's going to be dropping from these series from you know getting out in front of these people and and we're really excited about what's going on so stay tuned we're revamping the youtube channel um we've got a, a 
I don't know if I can say this yet, but we might be coming to TV soon. So um, we're really doing everything that we can to push this American manufacturing across all levels, you know, because, you know, it's lit, man. And it's, it's, it's changing the world, baby. Manufacturing is lit. I don't know about you, but I think that deserves a flex, man, right? You dig. Yes, yeah. sir. Yes, sir. Big flex, baby. Yes, yeah. And speaking of flex, man, too, obviously, I, I know I, and I'm pretty sure everybody else watching this or that will see it, wants to keep up with you and wants to know what you're doing and stay in touch. How can we be in the forefront of your content? How can we keep in touch with you? How can we really make sure that we are in the know with Drew Crow? Man, thank you. So, um, number one, you can find me on LinkedIn expert andrew crow um you can also get in touch with me at c-r-o-w-e-a-p-m at gmail.com um you know or or just dm me on on linkedin i've got some other things um that are almost done the website is about to launch and uh i'll have a uh hotline that you guys could call um but i will say please be gracious and allow me some some time to get back with you guys um, because you know thank God there's a lot of people that want to get behind this man manufacturing and manufacturers are really trying to do a lot to get in front of the people you know and and I think everybody in our sector and industry is starting to understand how important things like this are and efforts like this are so you know I'm overwhelmed by the positive support um that i'm getting but i am getting flooded so if there's anything um that you do send me just give me the grace uh and the time to get you back because like i said i'm also a mentor i'm a speaker i'm a professor and you know i'm a dad too you know so uh um you know time is of the essence but you know there's so much positivity there's so much good energy um behind what's going on there are so many amazing brands and companies that understand uh, how important this mission is, not only to America, but manufacturing, period, on a global scale. And, uh, you know, everybody's been so gracious to get behind it and want to do everything that they can help. And I'm just trying to sort it all out. Absolutely. I can't attest. He will get back with you. He will get back with you, I promise, right? Yeah, so Drew just... All the amazing things that I expected to happen out of this conversation happened. And then you provided even more, which is just nothing short of amazing. And for everybody watching here live or checking this out, post when we share it, uh, great content. Make sure you hit him up. He's giving you his direct email. Like that's how much this dude cares and wants to talk to you. Also check him out on LinkedIn. Great, amazing content. And he'll be doing lots of speaking here in the near future. So not only do we appreciate each and every one of you watching today, we appreciate you, Drew. And also following this, check out flexmachinetools.com. we got a lot of amazing things. More so our YouTube. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook, Instagram. Heck, dude, we're even messing around on TikTok. So, again, we appreciate each and every one of you. Drew, you are a gentleman and a scholar and the true leader of the new American manufacturing renaissance. So that has been our episode today. We thank you all. Hey, for the time being, you all stay awesome, stay flexing, and we'll surely see you next time.